Welcome to the Fit Archer Podcast, my friends. I'm your host, J.P. Penscover. On episode 41 of the podcast, we bring back for round two, my good friend, Ray Howell. Ray is one of the most incredible men that I've had a chance to get to know in my lifetime. And first part of the podcast, we talk about the launch and membership of their calendar drive. Ray, you'll hear a little bit as you listen to the podcast. We have calendars for sale to raise funds for Kicking Bear, the organization that he and his wife started 22 years ago that gets kids off the streets, out of broken homes, out of good homes even, puts a bow in their hands and just changes their life. And uh, due to COVID and all the restrictions that are going on, they can't do the banquets they typically do that raise funds to keep all of the camps completely free to anybody that attends them. Got a calendar drive going on and actually called it more of a membership drive, but you can you can check more out at kickingbear.org. I actually have calendars for sale and you can get calendars off the kickingbear.org website. And when you get a calendar, you get to register it. Um, and it actually has its own calendar number. And every month they're going to do drawings and you can win a, a sum of over $30,000 in prizes that they had to give away everything from bows to e-bikes to big box stands to everything archery, everything hunting you can imagine. They always give away the greatest gear. And uh, also in the calendar each month, a company sponsored it. You get to see some pictures that happen throughout the year at different events in a scripture verse and uh, just incredible, great support. So we talk about that and and why they went that route and, and how that's working and how it will work. And then we talk all about hunting. And uh, some of you may not know Ray Howell, but uh, he's one of the greatest hunters God's ever created. You put a bow in his hand and animals do not fare well when he's hunting them. And uh, he's got so I many, he's killed animals all over the 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 world, literally the world. And, and he tells some really, really incredible stories of some of his hunting stories that have gone awry and still being successful. So just another great conversation with Ray. Um, I joke on the podcast that uh, we could do an episode every single week with Ray of all the animals that he's ever harvested. And uh, we'd still, we could go for a year straight and still never run out of content to talk about. So I want to thank him and his organization. It's an amazing thing to, to be involved in or just support, you know, $5 a month, $10 a month, whatever you can do. It's, uh, it's really, really helping kids all across this country. And that's what we need to do. So I want to thank the, the partnerships of the spot of the, the podcast, Well-Built Supplements. Um, my buddy Brandon has created some amazing supplements and he just told me he's got some new ones coming out. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm about ready for another order and I'm going to order some new stuff this time. Probably going to get his energy drink. Um, probably going to get some of the greens and the probiotics, going to get the multivitamin and some of the new products that he's got coming out. I really, you know, Brandon is one of my best friends and, and he's a world-class individual and he started his brand, Well-Built Supplements. You can go use uh, discount code WellBuiltJP and save 15% on the on any supplements you may want, definitely give it a check. Uh, check it out. Go to wellbuiltsupplements.com. He's also got well-built kettlebells, and he's got a kettlebell online training studio as well. Phoenix Shooting Bags. Um, Anthony Stallone over at Phoenix Shooting Bags is a good friend I've gotten to know over this last year, and his rifle bags are the best, the lightest, and most durable bags you're ever going to find. If you do any gun hunting whatsoever where you're shooting a little bit longer distance or you like target shooting, and you want accuracy, these bags have got to be on your person. So they're, they're attached to my backpack every time we're on a gun hunt. And you can use a discount code THEFITARCHER and get 15% off any of his bags. Definitely check them out at phoenixshootingbags.com. They're incredible, incredible piece of gear. And then a couple uh, other sponsorships that I'm excited about, Sh Schmitty's Specialty Strings. 
Anthony Schmidt, my one good buddy and bow builder, um, also makes custom strings. You can check them out at ssstrings.com. And the way that deal works, you can get a 20% discount off that string. It's going to cost you 120 bucks. That's a huge discount um, off these custom strings. You just go to his website, ssstrings.com, pick out any color that you want. And we, as I always joke about, it's not about being a good hunter. It's also about looking good, looking like the best hunter out there. So make sure your gear is popping. Whatever color you want to go with, um, you just communicate that to me, what the make and model of your bow is and the color of the cable and string you want. You pay me directly, and I take care of it from there, and Anthony drop ships that custom string right to your door. And, uh, you know, if you're somebody that isn't getting a bow, a new bow very often, you know, those strings take a beating, and it's, it's time to get those strings, uh, you know, swapped out and put some new ones on, and his strings are the absolute best. And also lacrosse archery. Um, that's, that is the shop that he's the general manager of, and, and his, uh, his family owns it. And uh, he's doing an incredible deal there. So if you go through the Fit Archer, you go through me, and, and I'll put you in contact with Anthony. You're going to save a hundred. You'll you'll save. Um, he throws in a hundred and seventy dollar custom string for nothing. He puts it on there, whatever color you want, and then uh, also gives you a hundred dollars off a brand new bow. So and on top of that, he's going to give you a thirty minute zoom um, for tuning and tips and all that kind of stuff. He is one of the best archery techs that I know by far, hands down. He lives and breathes this stuff. Lacrosse archery is the, that's all that they do is archery. And they've made an incredible living out of it because they really, really serve their customers. So also want to thank Patrick, my buddy over at Numa Productions, um, does all my editing and sound for this podcast. And he does an amazing job. You can check him out at numaproductions.net. If you got any, um, video needs or any podcast needs, anything, questions, you know, he is the guy to go to. So just want to thank you all for choosing this podcast. I know there's there's thousands of podcasts out there, and I want to thank you, all the loyal listeners, for supporting this and, and writing comments and, and reviews and ratings. We love all that stuff because we want to make sure we're providing good content. So got some great stuff in the works, but please enjoy this podcast. May God bless you, and may God bless America. You are listening to the Fit Archer Podcast. All hunting, all fitness, all the time. Well, good morning, my brother Ray. How are you? I, I can't hardly take it. It's uh, cold here in the Midwest, and uh, we've been able to get out looking for shed horns, and, and uh, just uh, uh, there's antlers laying out there. And uh, so I've been, uh, I've been living a dream, brother JP. Yeah, you have been living a dream, buried in a snowbank with no clothes on, uh, getting your getting your cold bath in, right? That is the craziest thing I have ever done in my life. <laughs> I, I mean, when my wife heard what I was going to do, uh, uh, you couldn't believe it. And then when we were doing it, I should have had a video camera on her. She was laughing so hard, uh, JP, she couldn't breathe. She thought this is she's this is it, Ray. This is the nutsiest thing that you've ever done. <laughs> well, I, I, to to give some backstory on that, you and I were talking the other day, and I was telling you about you know my mental challenge of getting in my cold pool and <laughs> getting in every day. And you're like, well, I don't really have a cold pool. And I said, well, if I ever see a video of you buried in a snowbank, I know you took my advice. <laughs> and next thing, the next day or a couple of days later, I get a I got a video of you buried up to your head in a beaver pelt hat, no clothes on, buried. <laughs> Buried up to your neck in a snowbank. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I got. I got to tell you, JP. This is the honest truth. 
It was the first time in my life I just about screamed. When those guys were taking the snow shovels and piling the snow on my chest, I will tell you what, I, I had everything I could do uh, from not screaming. It was that cold. It was just, and then I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're going to video this. I hope I can do it in one take. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel alive when you're done, though, don't it? Oh, man. Oh, uh, fun. I, I don't know. I uh, just fun stuff, crazy stuff that you do in your life that uh, once you do it, you look back on and say, man, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just need a cold pool. Then you'll, then you'll really enjoy it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get in a snowbank, I don't think. I do have some friends back there by you, though. Um, this is one girl that we went to uh, that uh, was at the same college that I was, so I've known her for a long time. Every day she posts a video. She goes over to the Mississippi. They, got a, uh, they chisel a hole in the river. And she gets down up into her chest, her and like three or four other people. And they, they jump right in the water and they stay in there for a few minutes. Wow. Yeah. So cold water is really good. There's so many incredible health benefits to it, but it's it sucks. I mean, it sucks getting in it. Yesterday, <laughs> I didn't get in it this morning because I was a little bit back, but I'm going to do a run this afternoon, so I'll get in this afternoon. But even yesterday, I'm like, ah, I'm going to do a good workout. And I did a good workout. And I'm like, I don't need to do the pool today. I got a bunch of work to do. And then I was outside doing something with my dogs. I'm like, oh, forget it. In my workout shorts, I just went over, took my shirt off, hit my timer, just jumped in the pool and sat in it. And we live on a golf course, so our backyard's a tee box. And every time I get out, it seems like there's people at the tee box. They're kind of just looking at me because we have a see-through fence. And they look at me like weird. And I'm like, I just wave at them, dry off, and go in and get in my shower. Yeah, yeah they know better than to come close to you, I'll tell you that. Uh, well, let me tell the listeners who you are, and, and if you have not, I don't even know what number. This is your second time on, Ray. Um, I, you have so many stories. I could have you on weekly, and we we could go for a year straight, and then you'd have more stories built up in that year, and we could do it all the time. But you were one of my very first guests that was on, and so if you have not listened, listeners, go back and, and uh, listen to the introduction of Ray Howell. But Ray is a, a great friend of mine. Ray, you and I have known each other since the 90s, and uh, you're just... You know, you're somebody I look up to, and uh, you do life right, and you're serving the Lord, and your your ministry that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, you're just impacting lives all over the world, not just in your community, not just in the state of Minnesota or Wisconsin, but all over the world. Um, and I love it. And you know, the one thing I'm not close to you anymore, as far as state wise, I moved from Wisconsin down to Arizona, and uh, I told you I'm going to get a kicking bear event down here, and at some point I'm going to get a kicking bear event down here, but. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about what you got going on. You know, this COVID thing really wreaked havoc with Kicking Bear and, and so many other industries, but I think you guys did such a great job in pivoting and just making do the best that you can. So there always used to be a banquet, um, which was always one of the highlights. I, I loved the banquet. Um, I have some funny stories of the bank early days in the banquet, and I, I just I love it, but... Uh, you had a banquet where you guys would, uh, you do a lot of different stuff, raffle off hunts and give away hunts and guns and all that stuff. And it, and it always generated a ton of funds that you got to put right back into Kicking Bear and allowed kids to, you know, get in the outdoors that couldn't get in the outdoors and, and to be able to put on uh, camps in different states and, and all over the place. And that was kind of squashed due to COVID. So um, you want to kind of explain what you guys did to uh, kind of make up for that because I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to promote this heavy because I just, I love what you guys are doing. Well, uh, what's amazing throughout the 22 year journey of kicking bear, <clears throat> how uh, following Christ has really 
uh, got us through some real deep valleys and COVID was one of them. It was uh, something that uh, nobody expected. And there, uh, you know, the, the jet fuel that that created to get us from one part of the country to the next to do the things that we do and keep everything free to everyone that is a part of Kicking Bear now was shut down. And so uh, in prayer, uh, you know, God put it on my heart. Let's take all the pictures of uh, uh, kids and people at the camps throughout the nation and things that we did that are just nuts, crazy fun. And uh, let's put them in a calendar. And uh, along with uh, uh, the pictures, we'll put some Bible verses and and a a salvation poem in there so that uh, if somebody's having a bad day, that's going to lighten them up. And, you know, uh, there we did that. And, and JP, it brought back so many memories. There is so many pictures. I mean, how could I even choose what pictures? I mean, it was just, there's stuff in there that I, I mean, it was just awesome. So uh, anyway, all I can tell you is God directed it. It's, there's just the funnest things you ever, mud fests and marshmallow fights and water fights it's all fun stuff stuff that we do at kicking bear and and it's all focused on on uh being a disciple to make disciples and uh, and so we put the calendar together and everybody that uh had come to the banquet uh were members of uh kicking bear and uh it was just interesting how we kept everything focused on the gospel and how the banquet kept growing and growing and growing and now it got shut down so we decided to, okay, let's take the calendar. We'll get some sponsors to help, and we'll sell the calendars for $20 a piece. And then the prizes that we uh, normally uh, have at the banquet, uh, they're members of uh, Kicking Bear through a calendar. They're going to be able to uh, uh, win those prizes. And we got all the same kind of prizes as what we had at the banquet. We got uh, big power blinds, and we got uh, – uh, bows from uh, Matthews and Missions and crossbows and and we got e-bikes, electric bikes. I mean, you name it. It's uh, it's all. We are going to draw those things uh, monthly and uh, give them away to all the members of Kicking Bear. Man, it is so cool. I got the calendar right here, and on the front cover, 2021 calendar. It- um, you know, you explain it with the purchase of this calendar, you'll be eligible to win some of the over 30,000 in prizes, monthly drawings. And here it is a picture of you out in front of a bonfire, which is, you know, really it just, it, uh, it captures the essence of a kicking bear camp. You out in front of a campfire with just hundreds of kids and adults there. And you're telling your story and, uh, you're telling the story of just, you know, who you used to be and, and who you are now that the Lord, that you gave your heart to the Lord and uh, all the all the weightlifting trophies, all the you know your hunting trophies, everything you've had are are great, but they're just worldly possessions. And uh, it just it I literally, Ray, I'm not I'm not lying to you. When I was going through the calendars, I've been part of kicking bear camps, and I was kind of just choked up, you know, reading going through January and February, March, and you know, ultimately I opened up to, to December because you had December 2020 in there. In, in the, the kicking bear verse, James one twenty one religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's, that's really the, the verse of kicking bear. And uh, it's so cool, but I want to say this, for somebody that doesn't know what kicking bear really is, and you know again, I want you to go back and listen to the first episode that Ray was on. <clears throat> Ray had such an incredible, Ray has an incredible gift from God 
in shooting a bow, and he's used that for God's glory. And, and I was thinking of this earlier, Ray. Your trophy room is bigger than than I mean, it's just an enormous trophy room filled with every animal from all across the world. And yet, you know, you you had the ability and, and the chance, if you wanted to, to go on and be one of the biggest stars in the hunting world ever that anybody's ever ever known, because you were on that trajectory and you decided to lay that down because God spoke to you and and you putting you started putting these camps on. And so, for the listeners, you know, these camps, you just get these kids that uh, you know come from good homes, bad homes, broken homes. And the whole goal was to put a bow in their hand and lead them to the Lord. And so I want to read off the back of the calendar. I think this is so incredible. So here's what would typically happen. You get a Friday night, a Saturday, and a Sunday, and it's a campout event. A lot of them were campout events. I know you do some one-day events as well. But the activities that you do at this, it's an all-out weekend where you want to see a, a grown man by the name of Ray Howell turn into a, a, you know, a 12-year-old kid. This is what you get to see. He runs harder than any kid I've ever seen at a camp, having more fun than any kid at a camp. You know, I'm, I'm like, I remember the first couple I went to, I'm like, my goodness, it's Friday night. I'm worn out and Ray's going strong yet. And we got two more days left to go with this thing. But here's some of the events that happen at a, at a camp like this. Archery 3D course, which is always, you know, and you know this, Ray, when you see a kid come to one of your camps that's never shot a bow before, and all of a sudden they start hitting a target, they're hooked for life. They're literally hooked for life. So there's archery 3D course, there's archery tag, arts and crafts, um, that at ladle throwing, which I'm assuming is, I don't know that, that's the hatchet type throwing, right? No, it's it's like a spear. It's, oh. uh, yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a sport. But yeah, it's it's got some skill to it, and it's something fun and something that most people don't see. But yeah, how do you pronounce uh, it? At ladle, at ladle throwing, man. Uh-huh. Okay, baptisms, which you guys have done, is just amazing. BB guns, bear den tagging, bear hunting, blow up blow up archery, bounce house, bow fishing. These are all things that 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 people that that are involved with kicking bear get to do, and kids that are involved get to do. Bow fishing, canoeing, kayaking, cornhole. Deer hunting, DNR displays, dunk tank, face painting, fire and rescue. They bring them out. The fireworks, which I think is incredible to bring fire and rescue out and show these kids and police and canine units to show these kids that the police aren't bad. The fire's not bad. They're on your side. You know, be, be a good member of society. They're, they're, they're there to back you. Fireworks, fishing, flu flu arrows, foot races, frisbee toss, geocaching, goose banding, gunny sack race, hay rides, hula hoops. Kick, uh, kicking bear tough course laser tag marshmallow fight and this is a new one that you've added marshmallow spitting <laughs> <laughs> medevac helicopter demo paintball petting zoo picture drawing scavenger hunt slingshots temporary airbrush tattooing tomahawk throwing touch football trap shooting trapping tug of war which is always awesome turkey hunting water balloon toss water slide and wood carving i mean it's this is a kid's dream to get a kid to a kicking bear camp and just you know, all out, have fun and let them forget about the stresses of life and maybe the stresses of a broken family or things that aren't going good. And, and man, I just, I, I can't speak highly enough of it. So these calendars are being sold so that more money can be raised and all the money's going back in to make sure there's more kicking bear camps. And when you buy a calendar, like Ray said, you get a chance. There's an, each calendar is numbered. Like I'm holding calendar number right now, B1000. And I can register this calendar through kickingbear.org. And when I register this the, during the monthly drawings, I have a chance to win some of those prizes um, all, all through the year. So these are going to go out. Um, I actually have them for sale. You have them for sale. You can get them off your website. 
I'm going to be on my Facebook here once we get done with this podcast and on my Instagram. I'm going to be hammering it. I got 100 calendars here in Arizona. And uh, if you're in Arizona, you better hit me up or I'm coming knocking on your door to get some of these because you need, <laughs> you need to get them. We need the money to go uh, for more events because uh, I know, Ray, you could talk for days on kids' lives that have been impacted, uh, you know, greater than we can ever imagine from a kicking bear camp. Well, that's all God's doing. I am not that good. I, I do my best. I have always found in life, it isn't how good you are at something, it's how persistent you are. And I guess that's what God put into me. And then he put a bow in my hand. And I'll tell you what, uh, you know, uh, yeah, at one time I was a self-made king. <clears throat> I was going to uh, whack every animal I ever dreamed of whacking. And it was through persistence that that happened. Uh, same thing in powerlifting. I was going to set records and it was through persistence that that happened. And the same thing in business and other stuff. It all happened through persistence. But the day that I gave my heart to the Lord, I found out that that was all earthly focused stuff. And really, what was it for? It was chasing the wind and it was for nothing. And what we do here on earth for the kingdom, that is what is purpose. That's got meaning to it and changing people's lives uh, and seeing what God does with them after you have shared God. It's amazing. And you know, the first uh, marshmallow spitting contest, you're going to laugh at this. You know who won that? Jason Loloff, your, your wrestling team partner, <laughs> coach Jason Loloff won that. Unbelievable. So, but that's all part of it. You're coming to these kids level at, as an adult, and doing things with them, tug of wars and gunny sack races and, and uh, water fights and a marshmallow fight. It's just nuts. But you're coming to their level. And then they want to know, what are these people made of? No drinking, no smoking, no spitting. I mean, uh, and there's, uh, there's just so many fun things that we do. You ain't got time to do nothing. You know something? You come to a kicking bear camp, you will very rarely see a kid on a phone. <laughs> yeah, and if, they, and if they are on the phone, we walk up with a squirt bottle and let them have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and on top of the kicking bear camps, then what you do is, I mean, you guys you vet all the mentors, so you got mentors, you got uh, men and women that then partner with kids, and they start taking them out turkey hunting, deer hunting, bear tagging. I mean, the stories that you have, I have my own stories. Some that they would have, I have stories that would being partnered with kids from kicking bear that would have won America's funniest home videos when these kids shot deer. Like you wouldn't believe what goes on when a kid shoots his first deer and you get to be part of it or first Turkey. And so, I mean, talk a little bit about that, that, that happens. I mean, all year long, I'm seeing your Facebook and all that stuff. And it'll be piles of adults with piles of kids that have deer and Turkey and everything. And you just, you see smiles for days. Yeah. It's pretty amazing just to be a, a part of something like that. You know, you can take a kid's enthusiasm and how they feel about themselves, which is below zero, and put it right up into a hundred percent. And what ends up happening is if they harvest a turkey or a deer or a bear, there is food on their table that they have provided. And you know something? <clears throat> I, I don't know how many times I've seen it where youth have come to kicking bear camps with a single parent mom <clears throat> next thing you know within a couple of years that mom is hunting with the kids and uh you know so they find something that they can do together and uh groups like center shot love working with center shot because once we have kicking bear camp 
all the kids can go shoot archery at the center shot program with their, their families. And, uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you, uh, there's been quite a few magazine articles that have come out now, but, uh, there's one coming out, uh, here in, uh, uh, next couple of weeks, it's in a bear hunting magazine and it's about our kicking bear bear hunts. And two stories are in there. One of them is about, uh, uh, a, a lady who had took her mentee and, and they got a bear. And then also with Chad and his mentee, Gary, and they got a bear. And the story is so hilarious, <clears throat> excuse me, because Chad and Gary are teasing each other back and forth. And Scott is in the blind with them videotaping. And, and uh, they kept playing this game. Here comes a bear. Well, they opened up their peanut butter sandwiches and they're <laughs> they're eating their peanut butter sandwiches and a bear walks in and Chad sees the bear and Gary doesn't and and uh, Chad says to Gary, "There's a bear." And uh, Gary says, "Oh, quit teasing me!" And he keeps eating his peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> and uh, Chad turned around. He got the whole thing on film. His eyes are as big as uh, saucers, and he grabs uh, Gary's peanut butter sandwich and throws it on the ground. He says, no, "There's really a bear coming in." And he he shot Gary when he. And that's totally. <clears throat> it is so hilarious. And what happened with that? was uh, Gary was able to get in and make the right shot and, and harvest just a magnificent bear. But the story in there, it isn't always about the harvest. It's about what goes on and the camaraderie. These guys are laughing their heads off over the things that went on. And those are the stories I like to hear. But And you too with Jack. When you and Jack got up and told the story about that big eight-pointer that he shot, that you that, that should have been, that should have been, that should have been on the uh, funniest home videos. I mean, it was just hilarious. Uh, fun stuff. Well, if you remember, we had Shane, um, Shane, La uh, not Shane Lawrence, um, Shane Simpson. He was filming for Jack and I. Now, this is years and years ago. Here's, here's what's funny. I want to tell this story, Ray, because it's just always, it makes me laugh. So you said, okay, JP, we're going up to Potter Swamp. And uh, this is where we're going to go. And, you know, I know you got amazing memories there and, and you lost some of the potters and it's, it's tough, but, um, you said, I'm, I'm driving up and I have this boy, Jack and Jack's dad was on his second tour. They were a great family from our church. Jack's dad was on his second tour over in Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, and he was a high level military guy, unbelievable guy. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take Jack hunting. So Jack's this kid I knew from church and, you know, we get in the car and we're driving up and we're driving up through, you know, along the river, wherever we're headed up to go up to Potter Swamp, that, that land up there. And I remember Jack looking over <laughs> and he goes, boy, Mr. Penscover, that is a beautiful deciduous forest. <laughs> and I literally <laughs> thought to myself, like, what did he just say? I'm like, what? He goes, beautiful deciduous forest. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this, this kid and I could not be any more different. Well, anyway, we, you know, we get up there and Shane Simpson was filming. He showed up. We didn't see no deer that day, and then Shane had to leave. And it was so unfortunate that this couldn't have been filmed because we one day we're leaving. It was really cold. One day we're leaving. We're, we sat, Jack and I sat, and he's the hunter, and he was probably 12 or 13 at the time. And he had the gun, and, and we were going to go from one stand to another. Someone said, hey, you know, when, you, when you're ready, when you're done sitting in, in the tree stand there, um, walk down a couple hundred yards to one of the box blinds and sit there for the rest of the day. And I'm like, okay. So... We didn't see no deer on the tree stand. So I'm like, okay, Jack, he was, he was getting his cold. He couldn't sit still anymore. I said, Jack, why don't we just get out of the stand? We'll go down. We'll walk this logging road, get in that box blind. 
He's like, okay. And you know, we hadn't seen a deer yet. So I had no idea how Jack was going to respond. And I'm, I'm used to hunting and you know, you try to stay calm Well, we're walking down this logging road and I happen to just look and I moved kind of quick. Cause I thought out of the corner of my eye, I saw a deer and I looked and I'm like, oh, hold on a second, Jack. And I just put my arm out and he goes, what? And I'm like, I think there's a deer right there. And the moment I said, I think there's a deer right there. He, he didn't even see this. He instantly started hyperventilating. I mean, oh, 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 oh. I mean, so loud. I'm like, Jack, settle down. I couldn't even look for the deer anymore because I had to try to keep control, <laughs> control of Jack. And finally, I pulled my binoculars. I'm like, Jack, it's just a stump. Don't worry about it. And he snapped out of it. He's like, oh, okay, okay. That, oh, I was a little nervous. And I'm like, man, what is the deal with this kid? <laughs> I mean, it was, he was two different kids from the moment he thought it was a deer to then it wasn't a deer. So we walked down to this box blind and we get in there. And he's got one door on the, on the end. So it's, you know, probably eight foot wide long by, you know, five foot wide. And, uh, you can overlook, we're overlooking kind of a Valley and then overlooking this food plot. And we're sitting there for and He's got a little 243. And all of a sudden I look out, I open up the door. Cause the only way we could see part of the back end of the food plot around the corner was if I opened up the door and I opened up the door a little, just creaked it open a little bit. And I'm like, Oh, Jack, there's a deer in the, a buck in the, uh, <laughs> in the food plot and I pull my binos up I'm like oh Jack it's a good buck and this kid fell apart I mean to the point I could I had to hold the gun and he's so the only way we could get a shot at this was I was holding I was behind him if you can imagine this he was like like in in my chest facing away from me and I'm I got my left arm around and I'm holding it against the edge of the the door so he can have a rest aim it's the only way it was working and he would pick the gun up, and the moment he would get the, the deer in the scope, he would fall apart. So he, he'd be, he's like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this, JP. I can't do it. I'm like, Jack, settle down. You can do this. And he's like, okay. And he would get the deer in the scope, and the moment he'd see it in the scope, he'd drop the gun. He'd, he'd almost faint. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I kept thinking, I'm like, Jack, you got to settle down. We got to get a shot at this deer. Like, I'm trying to be calm. I'm thinking no way in the world – is he ever going to hit this deer? And he pulls it up. I'm like, just are you on it? And he's, and he's falling apart. His head's going up and down. He's not even in the scope. He's like, yeah, I can see it. And he's crying. He's literally crying. And I'm like, what is going on? And he shoots. <laughs> I mean, the moment he shot, he dropped the gun. I caught the gun. He spun around and squeezed me like a hug as hard as he could. And he's just bawling. It wasn't like sad or scared. It was, he was so, he just couldn't control his emotions. And you would not believe this. He heart shot that deer at 150 yards. And it was so amazing. I mean, I remember going down there and then I I told him, I said, Jack, I'm going to give you time with this deer. And man, he walked over there and prayed over it. I was crying. I mean, then once I got down there, I was crying. I was so excited for him, but I could never retell that story good enough for somebody to really just be part of it, but it changed my life. I mean, it changed my life. And the, one of the funny things was we're cleaning the deer, you know, we, we feel dress the deer and we're cleaned out and all Jack wanted, you know, of course it was a beautiful buck. It was like a 16 inch eight pointer. Um, first deer he'd ever shot. All he wanted was the hoof. Like he did get it mounted. I think, I think kicking bear mounted it for him. He wanted the hoof. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I just want this. I want to keep the foot. I'm like, your parents aren't going to let you keep He kept the foot. He brought the foot home and he wanted to keep the foot in his yard. So man, it changed my life though. I mean, it really did. It gave me a new understanding. And, and, you know, since then I've, I hadn't been able to be on many more kicking bear hunts because, you know, I moved away. Um, but you know, I was part of my neighborhood hunt and with my own kids and stuff like that. It's just, it's so amazing. So I love what you do. 
Yeah, the funny part about that whole story is when you and Jack both got up and told the story together at the banquet, it was nuts. And I remember Jack telling that story out of a kid's view and what was going on. <laughs> and then you telling it. I mean, it was amazing. But you remember that night when everybody uh, was done telling the story, uh, uh, Jack's dad was there and uh, he walked up and he said, can I say a few words uh, to the uh, to the banquet? And I said, yeah, you're more than welcome to. And you know something, JP? He got up on that podium and he starts talking about being deployed and, and not knowing if he's ever going to be able to come home again. And he, you know, what he was telling is real and this is what's going on. And, and then, uh, he opens up and says, when I got the picture of the deer with my son and a group of godly men had taken him out hunting, he said, he said that I broke down crying. He said, I knew that my family was okay with these men. And, you know, that was, I'm only telling part of the story. But there was not, including myself, there was not a dry eye in the place. I did not expect it. I did not uh, see that. But in reality, our military, these anointed men and women who uh, leave this country uh, to protect these lands, uh, and we got to keep them in our prayers all the time and to listen to their stories and what is going on but also to be a part of their family and protect their family while they're away. That too, uh, that, that, that is a blessing. So yeah, that was quite a story. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you have, you have hundreds of, you have thousands of them. And I would just encourage, uh, any listener that, you know, you love the outdoors. There's, there's, there's one thing about loving the outdoors, but there's another about continuing to introduce new people to the outdoors. You know, I, I think it's, we want to get our kids in the outdoors. For me, Ray, I could tell you, you know, I did get in some trouble when I was young, but I, I just always wanted to be hunting. And I mean, there, there, my parents would use that as leverage. Like, hey, if you get in trouble for this, you don't get to go hunting. So it kept me on the straight and narrow. I talked to one of my other buddies the other day, and he said the same thing. He goes, had it not been for hunting, I, you know, I'd have gotten a lot more trouble, but I always wanted to be hunting. So I didn't get caught in the stupid stuff because I wanted to be, you know, clear headed and clear minded for the weekends to be able to go hunting when I was, when I was growing up. So if you're, you know, somebody listening to this and you want to get involved, um, you know, reach out to Ray, you know, reach out to me and I'll get you in contact, but we need more good mentors, more good Christian men and women that are just willing to uh, you know, give up, sacrifice a little bit of time and, and take some other kids. I think it's a, uh, I think it's amazing. I tell my oldest son all the time, like, ain't you got any buddies that want to go with? Like, let's get some of your buddies into hunting, you know, because none of his yeah. friends out here hunt. I'm like, let's take some more of them hunting. He did say the other day, he goes, a bunch of my friends want to go shooting, Dad. I said, I'll take them shooting all day long. Make sure they bring their own ammo because we can't find any right now. So, <laughs> so <laughs> but I'll take them shooting anywhere. <laughs> well, the, uh, the devil has turned a lot of people into puppets. And he knows exactly how to break a home up. And those kids are poured out onto the streets and they do not have any kind of leadership in their life. Therefore, they are going down a path of total destruction. But just like me, 13 years old, sitting in jail because I kept running away from my foster home, one man stepped in my life and said, Ray, would you like to go hunting with me and my family? That man changed my life. And then he told me everything he said 
He said, you can have your own family. You can have uh, uh, your own job and make your own money, and you can go hunting. You're an American. You're free. And, you know, everything he told me came true. And you know something? I didn't go after it part of the way. I went after it all the way. But on the other hand, God had a plan and all of that ever since. And that's what we let these kids know, that no matter what their problems are, God's got a purpose for them. Uh, keep following your dreams. It's not the garbage on the streets. And, uh, boy, it's been amazing uh, witnessing. And now in 22 years, JP, <laughs> the witnessing the lives and the people and uh, uh, people who are a part of Kicking Bear, seeing a full circle with kids who are little now have come back and now they're running camps and being part of camps and mentoring other kids that were in a situation with them. It's pretty cool. So speaking of the camps, Ray, what is the plan for 2021? Do you guys have uh, an idea of what it's going to look like? Yeah, it's, you know, all that's going on with this country and the things that are going on, I can't explain it. I didn't know for sure how we were going to do the things that we normally do, but God really opened up the door. And what's interesting and how we, how COVID shaped a few things that we do, uh, which on the other hand, I think some of it's better. Uh, we right now have got more camps scheduled throughout the United States than we've ever had before. And uh, not only are our regional people uh, going to be uh, starting up new camps, uh, I get to go start new camps. We're, we're actually going to have a camp in <laughs> Eugene, Oregon. I mean, if you've ever been to Eugene, Oregon, I mean, what a place. It looks like Halloween all the time over there. We're going to have fun with that place. And, uh, I mean, there's just different areas in Washington and, and uh, uh, New Mexico and, and different places where we haven't been uh, that we are going to be. So, uh, yeah, as uh, God calls us to those areas, we're going. But, yeah, it's uh, uh, it, the planning and all the things that are going on is happening right now. And, uh, and how we're putting things together for the whole year. I'm so excited. I can't stand myself. I'm doing my best to get into extremely good physical condition because, uh, when you've got 500 kids chasing you, you better be in good shape. And, uh, I, I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled for the year coming. Well, we got to get one on the books in Phoenix, Arizona. Gosh, dang it. I say that every time. And then I, I talk to you and I'm like, I'm still going to get one in Phoenix, Arizona. And we will get one here. Got to yep. figure the right time. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd love to. We should have one of them right in the middle of winter because it's so uh, uh, then when, when there's not a lot of other stuff going on, then that, the temperature's right. So then we start having uh, the big group games. We can really burn these uh, kids right down. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will. Right. We will for sure. So yeah. uh, make sure you reach out to Ray um, or myself, and we'll get you contacted. But uh, these these calendars will be for sale. Make sure you get them uh, ASAP because you don't want to miss out on any of the monthly prizes. Um, so yeah. I just you know just continue to pray for you guys and and the success that Kicking Bear is and it has been and will be, and uh, it's going to be a great year, twenty twenty one for sure. Absolutely, we'll see what God's got planned, and yeah. that's uh, that's the way we look at it, and uh, just uh, yeah. I, uh, I'll tell you, JP, the older I get uh, and the more that uh, I work out trying to get in shape for April <laughs> and turkey hunting is coming and, and some of these other things that we love doing so much, bull fishing and all this stuff, man, you ain't got time to be in bed. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll leave this real short with you. We did a bull fishing uh, uh, 
a, a day with all these kids and we had all these boats and there was like five kids per boat. I got to be in the boat with the older kids and uh, JP, this is unbelievable. A lot of these kids don't know each other. They just have the same backgrounds with trouble. And uh, we got all these kids in the boat and it's the middle of the night and uh, we got the lights out on the river out there and all of a sudden one kid will fling an arrow at a fish and then there's two more arrows going after that fish trying to get the fish in for that kid. These kids turn out to be such close brothers. I don't know how else to put this. It is amazing because if one kid's getting more shooting than the others, they were switching spots on their own. So the other kids would get shooting and, you know, we're, we're uh, getting a lot of fish and stuff and we're going down the river and all this. I'm witnessing this. I'm not shooting. I'm just, I'm having fun with this, just being a part of it. And then it hit me. It hit me really hard. Uh, wow. Where would these kids be tonight if they weren't on a boat, boat fishing with us? And you think about that. The devil is so powerful. He wants those kids on a path on some street, uh, getting involved with things that has nothing to do but put them put them in a, on a on a path of death or destruction. So that hit me so hard, and I had so much fun that night. And uh, so anyway, that's what we do. And I, and, uh, I just uh, I know that. I really don't have retirement in the future. I think uh, I'll probably be in the middle of a marshmallow fight when God calls me home or something. But uh, I don't know. There, all those people that are out there that are retired, that are looking for something to do, take the skills that God has given you and use them and get involved. It doesn't have to be kicking bear, but get involved with these kids' lives. They need you because they don't have a leader in their family. Uh, all they got is a buddy down the street that's uh, getting in trouble that they're going to get into the same trouble with them. So anyway, I'll leave it at that. I uh, I envision, Ray, you in a wheelchair. You're so old, <laughs> you're in a wheelchair. And you will be covered in so much marshmallow spit and marshmallows because they're going to put you right in the middle and hammer you for hours because <laughs> you can't get away when you're at one of your camps. <laughs> oh, that'll be great. Oh man, it's so awesome. Well, you said a couple things there. Um, turkey hunting's coming up. You sent me a picture the other day and I, you know, I, I can't not have you on a podcast and talk about, you just said this, this is what you said. Get some of these older guys or retired men and women that have these skills. God gave you a bow and he put a bow in your hand and it, it you're, you're gifted with it. You're literally gifted with it and you've used it for his glory. You're, I've, I say this to everybody that I know, you know, when people talk about hunting or this or that, I always say, oh, I got a friend who's the best hunter um, that I know. And, and he's one of the best archers I know. He's one of the best shots that I know of that I've ever witnessed. And it doesn't matter what animal it is, whether it's turkey hunting, bow fishing, elk hunting, mule deer hunting, sheep hunting, bear hunting. I don't care what it is. It's Ray Howell. Like God gave you a gift of understanding animals and, and the ability to shoot a bow really, really well. And so it would be, a, it would be a sin of me, uh, you know, if I didn't, t if we didn't talk about some hunting coming up um, of, you know, what you got going on and, and maybe ask you some questions to help other hunters get better. And, and then, you know, if, if, if you become a really, really good hunter or you something like that, and you want to use those gifts and pour into kicking bear, that's what we would hope to happen. So turkey hunting is right around the corner and people get, you know, it's gung ho over it. So, you know, if I'm a turkey hunter right now, what, what, what should I be doing? What should I be looking for? What should I be scouting yet? You know, should I be looking for roosting trees or birds, flocks, what? For me, it's shooting. You want to hit something 
the size of a dime at 20 yards. And the fact of the matter is most of my shooting of birds is 13 yards uh, or under, but I want to be able to be a perfectionist in my shooting. And uh, in doing that, when you have the opportunity to have a bird come in, there's so many different ways to hunt turkeys. Now, Shane Simpson, he is awesome. He He's a character. He has been at Kicking Bear Camps. But when you watch what he does from state to state to state and, and his success, you know, it, it's pretty awesome. So there's so many different ways to hunt turkeys with a bow. You can hunt them out of a blind. You can hunt them with a, a, a big decoy on the front of your bow, and you can hunt them with a, a ghillie suit on. Uh, and, you know, if you fail and you don't get the, the bird or the shot, you know what? 15 minutes later, you're back on another one, just like antelope hunting. <laughs> and so for me, uh, in all that I do, being a perfectionist in my shooting uh, is everything. And if I have my confidence and when that uh, turkey turns and uh, gives me the right shot, uh, I can take it and put it where it belongs. That bird goes right down. And that's the other thing, too. People think that turkeys uh, are... Uh, easy to, to harvest. They're just a bird. You know, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't put that arrow right where it belongs, you better wait six hours before you start tracking them because they are the toughest critter on there. Uh, uh, it's kind of like a hog. The hog is a North American rhino. And a turkey, if you don't put that arrow right where it belongs uh, and you watch that bird run off, my rule is to wait six hours before I go look. And uh, so, for me, getting ready for turkey season, it's I'm, I am shooting and shooting and shooting, and I am shooting small objects at uh, the range that I think that uh, is a little longer than I'm going to be shooting turkeys. So, um, what uh, what's your favorite style of hunting? You talked about the different kinds, you know, spot and stalk with a ghillie suit or decoying on off your bow or sitting in a blind. What's your favorite way of doing it? I think. Uh, <clears throat> I love to sit in the blind because it's very successful for me, but the style that I have failed at the most <laughs> is just being out there uh, in camouflage or a ghillie suit set up on a tree. And then I get so shook up. This is my problem. There's two different Ray Howells, the one talking to you right now <laughs> and the other one with a critter coming in. I've had to learn that other guy. And uh, you know, you get a Turkey coming in, Man, you got to hold yourself and hold yourself until you that bird turns right so he doesn't see you draw. And that, to me, is, I don't know how many times I've done everything perfect right up until getting ready to draw the bowl and I make some stupid little mistake and poof, they're gone. So I guess that, I would say that's probably uh, my funnest. Uh, and there's other people, too, that have just turned that into total perfection. You watch some of these uh, guys that, that hunt turkeys all the time. And, and man, it's like, they got to figure it out for me. I got to figure out this other Ray Hall because <laughs> yeah, he just shook up when critters come in. So I guess, uh, I would say that would be yeah, the other thing too, is taking kids turkey hunting with you. Uh, if you're hunting with a shotgun, just sitting up in front of the tree and, and or in some brush, but then being in a blind with the kids, uh, as the turkeys are coming in, uh, you can make all kinds of mistakes, and and I love hunting kids with a crossbow, uh, and uh, uh, or their bow. 
but they have to be uh, they have to show me that they're as good a shot as I am before we do that. But it's fun. <laughs> well, my brother said that we're headed in Nebraska this year to turkey hunt. You won't be able to take it. You will not be. Well, able I'm to coming. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out. I'm coming. He called me and he goes, "How about uh, how about Nebraska turkey hunt this spring?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in." Like I don't, I always just say, "I'm yeah, I'm in." And he's like, "Well, I was talking to Ray and he said Nebraska." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in. Let's let's just do this." So yeah. I need a couple more turkeys and I'd have my slam because I was fortunate enough to kill my Gould's turkey. Um, you know, so I need to marry him. I've never shot a Miriam. Um, I've, I live out here. We just don't turkey hunt. Um, I do have a turkey tag this year. My, my kids can buy an over-the-counter tag. I got a Miriam's turkey tag this year. You got to draw one um, in Arizona, which is kind of weird, and it's not always easy to draw, so I have one this year. But I want to I shoot them all. I want to get the Rio Grande and the Osceola yet. Well, that, when we go out there, I don't even want to – I got a video where the turkey was right above the guy's house. <laughs> And the turkey's gobbling right above his house. I couldn't believe it. And his wife says to me, she says, I can't take this. She says, turkeys are coming up to my back door, and they think they're looking at another turkey, and they're seeing their so what, and they're beating the daylights out of the door. <laughs> so we set a blind up in the backyard of their house. And, you know, we're out in the middle of nowhere, but there are so many turkeys. I mean, you're walking down a dirt road, and there's so much turkey poop on the road, you can't even get to believe it. And, uh, yeah, so... And the, the different colors of these birds, they're just beautiful, just beautiful. So, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to – and JW, uh, he has 20,000 acres, and it is filled with uh, mule deer and whitetail. And Karen got her first whitetail deer out there this year. She killed a magnificent buck. Uh, and uh, that in a story in itself, I, I just, I'm so blessed that I was, got to be with her. You want to see a guy turn into an idiot. I, that was me. I couldn't even breathe. I was, I was like Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, uh, so, uh, for turkeys, uh, I, I just, every spring, I just look forward. I work so hard. I just look so forward to getting out and relaxing in God's creation and, and talking back and forth with these birds. And when they come in, I'll tell you what. You just keep a camera on my face. You'll probably laugh your head off. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But that, that you just said something there that I think is really um, important to mention is, you know, talking back and forth. And that's one of the things that's fun about turkey hunting. It's like elk hunting. You know, the elk are screaming and they, they you know, they kind of give their location away and you can kind of communicate back and forth with them, sometimes bring them in or just use when they're communicating for a way to get in close to them. Turkey's the same. And for somebody that, you know, might be listening that doesn't turkey hunt, Man, spring turkey hunting is kind of like elk hunting. You're just, you know, a little bit smaller animal, and this one can fly away and sees really good, <laughs> hears really good. If they could smell, I don't think anybody would kill a turkey. I've always said that because they're – I always used to say, are, are, are turkeys, like, stupid? Uh, but I think they're just stubborn. I think they're super smart, but I just think they're stubborn. Sometimes they're going to answer. Sometimes they're not. They just kind of do what they want to do. But, man, you know, and then especially where you live, Ray, Wisconsin, where I used to live, you get a, a harsh winter, you know, just cold all the time, and finally spring arrives. And I was just always looking forward to get outside, a little bit warmer weather, and I got to put my bow back in my hand and go chase something. So, gosh, I love turkey yeah. hunting. Yeah, I think the one thing that uh, with turkeys or deer or whatever uh, critter you're chasing is, you know, uh, there was always three things that made me successful. Uh, the main thing was having confidence in my equipment and if something ain't right you need help get somebody that knows more about it than you do to help you get your bow tuned or whatever it takes 
so that you can be very accurate at the range that you want to uh, harvest an animal. The other thing was just uh, hunting an area for the type of animal that you want to, to harvest. Some people want to kill a giant buck. Some people want to kill uh, the first deer. Just hunt those areas. And the other thing that made me successful was being able to put the time in. If you get those three things together, you are going to have the opportunity. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> that's when I had to know the other Ray Howell because I get so shook up when it happens that I, uh, uh, I, I got to settle down. I got to tell myself, Ray, follow the leg line, follow the leg line, follow the leg line. And if I do that, I do real good. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about turkey hunting. If you guys come turkey hunt, we are going to have an absolute riot. And I, I just, uh, uh, Brandon too. I, I wonder how many traps he's going to have uh, out there. <laughs> yeah, he won't even turkey hunt. He'll. I, you should hunt with him. It's funny. He come out. He's so funny. You know, because he's so into trapping. And we're talking about my brother Brandon. He's so into trapping and tracks, and he listens to all these. So he. Uh, I hope this makes you smile, Brandon. But we're driving through uh, Arizona, and every track he saw, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. Look at this. <laughs> Coyote, coyote track right here right here the cat went through here come look at it i'm like no i'm gonna look for deer he's like come look at this track like he's so enamored by tracks and critters but i honestly believe i mean it makes him a better outdoorsman because he's so in tune with animals and just the way that they travel and all that stuff because he's out all day i mean not all day but every single day you know working in the working in the woods uh working around rivers and streams and in fields as he's trapping i mean it's it's amazing i wish i could trap more because i think it'd be fun yeah, that the fun part is looking at all the pictures of his kids. He's got critters there that he's trapped that are bigger than his kids. <laughs> it and, is, uh, but you see, that's the trickle down effect. It's the same thing with uh, kicking bear. You get a, a role model and get these kids focused on something that they like to do, just like your kids. JP, you had the funniest turkey story I ever heard in my life last year, and what happened with you and your boys. And uh, you know, those kids grow up living those same dreams and uh, uh and that's really that's really important because what happens is they become successful uh husbands and they become successful in work and business and and then they become uh, successful in their dreams and uh so that's uh, it's pretty cool yeah what would you recommend for like what is your style as far as your equipment are you shooting heavy arrows for turkeys what broadheads are you shooting <laughs> I've always shot heavy equipment uh, and heavy arrows, and I shoot the same heavy equipment for for elk as I do for turkeys. I shoot the exact same thing, and uh, uh, so uh, the same thing with the broadheads. Uh, I use the same broadheads for uh, deer as I use for uh, turkeys. It's what I'm confident in, and it's where that arrow is going to hit. And and I believe in two holes, an entrance hole and an exit hole. And uh, in doing that, uh, uh, and and being able to keep my nerve uh, uh, when I make the shot, uh, normally I, I will watch the animal go down. And a lot of times, you know too, JP, that a lot of times those animals don't even know what happened to them. Yeah, and uh, they, they will just lay down and go to sleep. And, uh, so, uh, that's what I like, uh, when, when I hunt, I, if, uh, I make a bad shot because of something with a limb or something that has gone on, you know, uh, then, uh, then you gotta, uh, just give that animal time and, uh, and that I, I, it's not, I, I never want to wound an animal. 
So I, I guess that's how I should put it. So I use the same equipment for everything I hunt. If I was to uh, go back over to Africa and I'm going to hunt an elephant, I'd still be shooting a 104-pound bull. I'd be shooting an arrow that whatever the rating is, I'd have to beef up the arrow a little. I shoot about a 600-grain arrow uh, now, but uh, there and something like that, you'd have to be shooting an arrow that's over a 1,000 grains. But um, uh, so it's what you're confident in, what you're good with, and what you know will make two holes. So that's good. Imagine shooting a turkey with a thousand grain arrow. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great video, wouldn't it? You yeah, had a really good video that. last year when you shot that one, and that turkey did pretty much a complete backflip <laughs> or whatever it did. Yeah, isn't that amazing that you could take a, a turkey and turn them into a world class gymnast in one shot? <laughs> <laughs> um. So what do you do? What do you, how do you control that other guy? How do you control when I'm JP and I'm sitting out at my target at, you know, say I'm shooting at 50 yards and I'm just by myself and I got all the focus in the world. I got no pressure and I'm just, you know, going through my shot sequence and all that. And the JP that when, a, you know, I'm at 30 yards and I got a screaming bull coming in and my heart rate is going, it goes from 70 beats a minute to 150 beats a minute. And I can't remember my name. You know, how do you control that? I mean, you've hunted, you've shot animals all over the world. I mean, some of the most dangerous animals in the world, some of the biggest animals in the world. How do you control that? Or what, do you have any tips or any sequences that you go through? Yeah, I think in every hunt, you get to know that animal's anatomy. You know, the African animals are different than North American animals. And there's other animals that are, uh, you got to know their anatomy. You got to know where their heart and lung area is, and you got to know uh, what shot to take. And for me, uh, there is a, a, a so much excitement in, in, in achieving a dream and, and being in, in a situation like that. That uh, I actually one of the ways that really helps is if you take your bow and you got targets set up in different areas, and uh, you put a backpack on and uh, start jogging with your equipment on. And then get up to uh, the distance you want to shoot and, and time your heartbeat, <laughs> your breathing, and your focus to make the shot. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about that, you can be sitting in a tree stand and be just as calm as can be. And the next thing you know, some dream come true comes walking in and you are in that situation because you're out of breath. You ain't thinking straight and you're trying to make the shot and you're shook right out of your gourd. I think the adrenaline that is running through you is the same as uh, getting out and actually practicing that physically. And that helped me a lot. I mean, uh, it, it's uh, in all the uh, hunts that I did that were mountain hunts. I don't care how good a shape you're in. It all becomes mental. It really does. And uh, you can be in the best shape in your life uh, uh, and and not be able to make the hunt because you're mentally not prepared. you got to keep yourself mentally prepared. And I think for me, uh, when I was doing some of those things, that's how I did it. I put a, a backpack on that had about 70 pounds in it. I beat the daylights out of myself, and I ran up to the target, and I tried to take a shot. And I'll tell you something, <clears throat> that really, really, really worked. I had to learn to control my breathing. I had to control my focus. Uh, I had to uh, be able to make that shot uh, within a few seconds and make the right shot. And that helped me a lot. Well, you just gave a huge plug for the Fit Archer competition. 
So, you know, this is the Fit Archer podcast and where that name come from. I always want people to know this. I don't claim to be the Fit Archer. Like, uh, you know, I love fitness and I love archery, but I don't claim to be like the Fit Archer. You know, I want to be a Fit Archer. But um, my first uh, archery elk hunt in Colorado, it was with my brother and my dad and my uncle. And I, I got a funny story on it where my dad and I struck out together my brother and uncle struck out together and a bull bugled down in this canyon so my dad and I went after it and we're sneaking up this logging road and uh, I'm like man it's got to be right up here and I got an arrow knocked and I'm sneaking up and it bugles again I'm like I should be able to see it and all of a sudden about 70 yards in front of us a hunter popped up and I'm like oh gosh well it gets where it gets funnier we're sitting there talking to him and uh, about five minutes later, we turn around. Here comes my uncle, my brother, sneaking up that logging road. He called all four of us in. <laughs> and so we ended up talking to this guy. And he said, you guys got to get horses and you got to go up into the, you got to backpack into the flat top wilderness area in Colorado. So we're walking back to camp. And I remember we're, we had about probably 30 or 40 yards. We had to go up this big, you know, side hill and half a mountain, so to speak, out, out west. And I'm from Wisconsin, so I was in shape. I mean, I was young, but I didn't do much cardio. I didn't do much um, conditioning work. I did a lot of more bodybuilding style work. And we get about 30 yards from the top of the mountain. I'm already tired, and I decide, I don't know, I was so young and stupid. I decided I'm going to run up to the top because I'm tired of walking. So I sprint to the top of the hill, and I get to the top of the hill, and all of a sudden it hit me. I thought I was dead. I thought my heart just exploded. Like, I was so tired. And it went through my mind, honestly, I'm like, if I had to get up to the top of this hill and shoot at an animal, there's no way I would ever be able to shoot at this animal. So we started, that was our, that was the journey that my brother, my dad, and my uncle started going on hunting. And so when we were now getting prepared to go on hunts, I started to do a little bit of that. <clears throat> we would hike a hill, come back and shoot, or I'd do drop down, do a bunch of burpees and shoot an arrow, do some squats and shoot an arrow. I was just trying to get my heart rate elevated because I thought like, man, if I ever have to shoot an animal, and my heart rate is elevated like that. I don't know what I'll do. And so when I moved out to Arizona, um, I competed in a competition that was kind of like this because I'd always wanted to do something like this. I always wanted to create something like this. And I went down and I competed in a, in a competition like that. You know, you do some workouts and shoot and run and shoot. And, and it was really, really fun. And so I work out at a CrossFit um, place that has a huge, large, large facility. And I asked the owner, I said, hey, could we, could we put an archery competition in here? And he's like, doing what? I'm like, we'll put some workouts together and we'll just call it, you know, we'll come up with a good name and we'll get the heart rates up and shoot. And it's great training for people that bow hunt because when your heart rate's so elevated and your adrenaline's going, you lose all fine motor skills. So the only way to mimic that is exactly what you said. And he said, yeah. So we him hawed around. And I think my wife came up with the name, the Fit Archer, Fit Archer. And so we're, we'll do our third uh, competition this summer uh, in July. And it's so much fun. Like these guys and girls that come out and do it, we put them through pretty, pretty strenuous workouts. Like they got to jump up and over a box, you know, 20 inch box, put 50 pound dumbbell on their back and step up down 50 times and then bear crawl, you know, like a hundred yards, then get up and shoot an arrow. And then do we do that a bunch of times? And man, it's just, I don't think there's anything like it. Here's a, here's a case in point to it, Ray. When I competed in the one down in Tucson, that was called train to hunt. It was a pretty cool organization. Um, you had to do, let's see, I think we had to do 25 box step-ups with a 50-pound sandbag on your shoulder and then run 400 meters out in the desert, come back and shoot an arrow. And it's timed. You know, you got a time and if you if you <laughs> miss the target, it, it counts towards your time, which you, you want the 
uh, smallest time possible. Well, when I, I did the first 25 box step ups and then I sprinted the, and you know, I'm competing and I love to compete. So I wasn't going to let anybody beat me. So I'm beating everybody. I come back up and I grab my bow and I go to pick it up and I go just to draw back. And you know what I realized? I didn't even have an arrow knocked because I was so tired. All I was focused on was like, I just got to get the shot off. So it really, really mimicked it. So I'm glad you said that because that's a good plug for the Fit Archer competition coming up in Arizona in July. We got to get some of those back in Minnesota and Wisconsin. You, it's so much fun. Oh, it'd be a blast. I, uh, it'd be kind of fun if I had time. I'd like to come out to that. I know we're doing camps everywhere, but you see, all of that too, JP, is getting to know yourself. It's getting to know the other Ray Hull. It's getting to know that guy that's going to be in that situation. And once you know that guy in that situation, your uh, chances of making the right shot are increased so much, it's incredible. Because when, you, when you're breathing like that, you can't think straight because of the altitude and the air and everything else. Uh, and you are physically out of your mind. And all of a sudden, there it is. There's the shot. Holy smokes. So, yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I, uh, I've been, I've been training uh, really hard. I shoot uh, not every day, but pretty close because I love shooting. Uh, and, uh, but, that too is uh, I'm getting ready for turkey on. I just, I want to get out there. I love taking Karen turkey. My wife, I love taking her turkey hunting. You know, what's funny about Karen. I can put, a, I can put a Boone and Crockett buck in front of her with her bow and I don't shake her up. You put a turkey in front of her. She comes on glued. Oh, that's it's, hilarious. It, it, it's hilarious. Yeah. So and it's the same thing with a kid. <laughs> You'll be sitting by a tree and a tree is shaking. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I hope my kids get turkey tags this year so I can take them. It's different turkey hunting out here than it is just, you know, they're, they're, I don't know what it is about. It's just, we're hunting such bigger land, you know, back where I was in Wisconsin, I could hunt little tracks of, I could be on my hundred acres and I knew the turkeys roosted and all that stuff here. I may have to hike, you know, 10 miles to find out where one little flock roosts. It's just a little bit different. So it's a little more difficult to find. That's why we've struggled a little bit more, but I do have, I think, I think I'm going to draw my Arizona, uh, archery elk tag this year which i'm excited about um okay. and i drew a turkey tag in the same unit and it's only about an hour and a half from my house so wow. i'm going to get a chance to go up there and turkey hunt all spring and shed hunt and really really learn the unit so then it's just going to pay off for my fall uh, archery hunt too so it should be pretty good <laughs> you know what's funny about having two tags in the same area uh this really happened i was up hunting uh uh dull sheep and uh, I had my sheep tag, and I was after a particular ram. We called him Clubhead. And I also had a mountain caribou tag. <laughs> and so we're walking along, and as uh, we're getting up into an area where we know that these sheep are at, and here comes this caribou like you would not believe. And I'm not used to seeing giant caribou like that. And there's this bull. He's just kind of feeding across the mountainside in front of us. And JP, I had to make the biggest decision in my life. Do I shoot that caribou or do I keep after clubhead? And uh, to this day, I wish I would have shot that caribou. <laughs> <laughs> so you let the caribou go. I did. Oh, I did. I, I just, uh, oh, and uh, yeah, quite, uh, but I was focused. Uh, I, I, I had uh, uh, something that I was going to do and that's what I was going to do. And I, and uh, oh gosh. Uh, and you know, I don't, 
uh, out of all the species of caribou that I've hunted, uh, the only one that I haven't taken yet was the mountain caribou. <laughs> Did you kill clubhead? <laughs> no. Oh, I got stories for you. I, I'll tell you what. I, I said at the beginning, we could talk about your hunt <laughs> stories. We could do an episode a week. I mean, we really could. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I uh, I almost got killed on one of the hunts up there trying to chase. Oh, just unbelievable. But that was part of my dreams. And this is, uh, this is the thing. A guy walks into a jail cell, sees a kid reading a hunting magazine, that's going to be taken back to an imprisoned life in a foster home that uh, was not a good home. Uh, and there's a lot of great foster homes out there. I want you to know it, but I was not in good one. He, and he says to me, Ray, you promised me you don't run, run away from your foster home again. I'd like to take you uh, hunting with me and my sons. And in the meantime, I'm going to try and find you a better home. That man changed my life. And with me, for whatever reason, saying yes to him, because I was a tough kid at that time, I got to have my own family. I got to chase my dreams. I stood on a platform at a world tournament competing for the United States in a sport that I love. And I'm not bragging. I won it. Not once, but twice. A kid from a broken home. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, and, and this is, it's, Every time we go out in the woods, yesterday I was out in the woods, it's so cold out, we're looking for shed antlers with my dog. I get to have a dog. I, I mean, I get, and I got all kinds of grandkids and great grandkids who won't go out into this kind of cold, but I get to chase dreams around. I think I pray and thank God every day for the blessings he gives me, and especially for the gift in a wife that he gave me. I got the family I never had. And I would have never had it had I kept going down the path I was on. And if that man wouldn't have said to me, uh, Ray, I'd like to take you hunting with me and my sons. I, I, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know. I don't know that I want to know where it would, it would be. So anyway, well, you're the epitome but, of, you're just the epitome of positivity and, and living life to the fullest and, you know, grinding and working and discipline and consistency. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it was a steel business or harvesting animals all over the world now kicking bear, you know, 22 years and just grinding out every year. Cause it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy every year. Um, you know, we've had the, 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 I've had talks with you and there's times where it's just, it gets very, very tough, but you know, you just keep putting on the full armor of God every day and standing up and fighting the devil. And you surround yourself with good men and women, which I think is amazing that, you know, are, are trying to take some of the arrows with you and uh, fighting off all the all the crap the, the adversaries throws at you and keep plugging along and changing kids' lives just like that just like that gentleman Tom did for you in that jail cell. Yeah. And uh, you got to hunt all over the world. And now, you, now you're, now, I mean, think about this. Maybe you won't still be on the, you, you won't, you might not be on the earth one day when, when a kid is on another podcast somewhere and he's telling a story of, man, I got invited to this thing called Kicking Bear. What in the world? And I heard they were spitting marshmallows on people. And this kid may be the next uh, you know, he chased animals all over the world and fulfill his dream and, and just impact kids somewhere else because of exactly what happened for you. Yeah, that's, I've had it said to me so many times, it's kind of strange, but they said, well, Ray, uh, this is your legacy. This is, this is what this is. And it's really not uh, JP. Everything happened to me since I was five years old happened for a purpose. And that purpose was to do God's will. He put the bow in my hand. That was my staff. And with that staff, I was able to do some really cool things. And, you know, when I realized that 
all this had happened for a purpose. You know, it's really uh, Jesus Christ is a legacy. That's where it's at. I don't care if my name is ever mentioned again. I'm just a kid uh, at heart. He gave me an incredible life uh, that sticks with me. And, uh, you know, to witness these miracles in people's lives, that ain't Ray Howell. That's God. All we are is to be disciples, to make disciples. We share with them the truth and the truth of Christ. And when, when they see it, it transforms people. And some people right away, others it's in God's timing. But, you know, I can't do that. God does that. I mean, he took, he took a, a, a kid like me and, and uh, man, I get to tell the whole world what God has done in my life. I get to tell them, Ray Hall ain't that good. And I'm not, but I have Christ in my life. That's what's made things exciting and things come true for me. So, yeah. Well, does, does Ray Howell have any, you know, you've done everything on about the biggest stage possible from weightlifting to bow hunting to, I mean, I come down to your trophy room and there's animals I didn't even know existed that are stuffed in, in your trophy room. And, you know, there, and then you got plaques all over the wall of, you know, bow hunting accolades and all that kind of stuff. And you got kicking bear, you got amazing wife and family and, and more grandkids than I see geese out in the back of my, in my golf course here right now. And great grandkids, you just got a whole, you got quivers full of legacies and kids and all that kind of stuff but do you have any regrets any regrets that ray would look back and say i wish i'd have done this i wish i'd have done that you know when you look back on it and things that have gone really good and things that have gone really bad every bit of it has been a learning experience and if you're in the scriptures every day and uh, studying and understanding, you realize that all these things uh, come to uh, one thing, being able to share the gospel. And even people who absolutely, uh, you cannot believe that do things that they do, instead of grabbing hold of them, picking them off the ground and putting them on a hook or slapping them, you walk up to them and say, I forgive you. Uh, and I'm going to be praying for you. And you do that. You cannot believe the power in that. I don't care what people have done wrong to you. And so uh, if I had anything different, I wish I would have met my Karen when I was about <laughs> 10 years old. The joy that that gift that God gave me has put in my life I want to hold her hand every minute of every day. And it may sound really ridiculous to people, but you know something? Uh, if you're not in Bible study with your wife, you got to do it. Because within three months, things will change. Your wife will turn out to be the most beautiful woman that you have ever seen, bar none. There is not one woman as uniquely beautiful as my wife. I, it's unbelievable. God protected my eyes. And then I realized the ring I got, it, it's not a wedding ring. It's a symbol of a gift that God gave me. And out of this gift, we got children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I get to be uh, the spiritual leader in their family. There is so many blessings that <clears throat> you, know, you start looking at all the things that you can get distracted with here on uh, earth, even with hunting. Uh, at one time, too, uh, my goal was to 
kill a, a, an elk, and then I wanted to kill a moose, and then I wanted to kill a brown bear, then I wanted to kill a, a, a polar bear. Then I want, you know, there's no cap to any of that. It's the same thing with making money, and it's the same thing in the sport you love. There's no cap. Once you achieve set the world record and something, you go after the next record. <clears throat> but for me, I, I guess uh, I love spending time. I love sharing the gospel. I love uh, doing what I'm called to do. There's nothing easy about it. But uh, I have purpose in my life, and it's not earthly purpose. So yeah, if I change anything, uh, I think uh, my wife's uh, dad would have probably had a few talks with me. <laughs> when I, you should have met my uh, father-in-law. What a monster of a man. He, he was really an example of what a man would be. But uh, I found out what true love was. Man, I just want more of it. And that's, and it really comes from uh, uh, three strands, uh, my, my wife, me, and Christ in the middle of it. So yeah. that's where that. Amen to that. Well, let's, let's, finish with, uh, let's finish with one good hunting story. I know you have millions of them, and I love them. <laughs> I love hearing all of them. I mean, I always do. And I, this is literally what listeners love. The Fit Archer podcast listeners, I always say we're an entertainment inspiration podcast. That's what I am. Although if we can give tips, tactics, and gear in there too, we'll do that. But um, education and, and entertainment and inspiration. So usually when I get response like, man, I just love that guy's story. I felt like I was right in it. And I think you're one of the best storytellers. So of all the places that you've been, um, the continents that you've hunted, the animals that you harvested, you know, what was your funnest, what was, what was the most memorable experience of, a, of an animal that you harvested with your bow? I guess if I tied in things that really went upside down, totally backwards, and yet a dream came true, I think it would be a, a mountain goat hunt. And, you know, when I was chasing my dreams and hunting so many different hunts in a year, I had about five of my friends that were chasing the same dreams. I'd call them up and I'd say, hey, Warren, uh, have you ever been on a sheep hunt uh, for uh, a, a, a big horn? Where, where's the best place to go? And what ended up happening, working with these guys really cut through the chase because they've been there. They were with quality people, and it upped my chances of uh, harvesting an animal greatly. And, uh, you know, uh, so I talked to my friend Pat. Pat O'Quinn, quite a story on Pat. And uh, I said, Pat, I'd like to uh, uh, go on a mountain goat hunt and, and also see if I can't get a, a moose. And he says, okay, I got the spot for you. And so I call this place, I get it lined up, and I'm going on a mountain goat hunt. This is unbelievable. And I'm practicing and I'm practicing. And I'm, I've always shot long range shots to make me a good short range shooter. And uh, we actually did some filming the week before I went on this mountain goat hunt. And I was shooting pop cans uh, at 100 yards. There was no wind. Everything, my arrows were dropping in perfect. And we did it as a joke. I shot a 35-millimeter film canister <laughs> at, at 100 yards. It's the most perfect shot you ever seen. It was done as a joke. But uh, it turned out to be a shot heard around the world because I was using a 150-grain two-blade uh, broadhead uh, with 655 grain arrows uh, with uh, four fletch, four inch, uh, and uh, they were accurate. And that was at the time when everybody says you got you can't shoot anything accurately without a mechanical head past 20 yards. Well, uh, anyway, it was pretty pretty interesting. So 
I was getting ready for this mountain goat hunt, like we talked about, running up and down hills and getting in. So I was in good shape physically, and I was in really uh, good shape mentally with great confidence with my bow. And, uh, you know, I I got on the uh, plane, and I couldn't believe I'm going on this hunt. And uh, we're going through customs. And uh, so... I got my bow case there and uh, uh, the lady says, what's in the box? And I, and I told her and, and she goes, are you hunting here? <clears throat> I said, yeah, I said, I'm going to be chasing my dreams. And she goes, uh, she starts getting upset about me hunting. And I, at first you think it's a joke, but it was no joke. And then I said to her, I says, you know, maybe it's the revenue that's coming in this country that is making it so you got a job. That was the dumbest thing I ever said. That was stupid. I should have never said that. But anyway, uh, I, she got so mad at me. And anyway, I went through and, and, uh, and I got on the other plane and I get into, uh, the float plane and you know, something JP flying through the mountains on a float plane is the most unbelievable thing a, a, a guy can do. I'm in this plane and you're looking down and there's moose and there's caribou and there's sheep and this giant emerald colored ponds and, and, oh my gosh. And, and, you know, we're, we make this big turn and I don't even know where we're at and in the plane and we come down and we land on this emerald green lake. And when the pontoons hit the, the water and the waves come up and we come floating into that dock, I am living a dream. I cannot even believe where I'm at. And there's nobody except uh, uh, the uh, guide and, and a couple of the other people with the outfitters and there's some horses. And I get out and I and I just and I'm always excited because uh, I want to shoot my bow when I first get there and make sure everything is uh, shooting right. So I get out and get things set up. And I, I, I take my bow out to shoot it. And I always got two bows. I have a backup bow with me in case uh, something happens to one of them. I take my bow out and I draw back. <laughs> and JP, my bow was shooting so far off. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I went and got my tools and I started working on my bow and I got it. And I'm telling you, I bet I shot 100 rounds that, that afternoon get my bow so i was confident was again at the yardage i was going to shoot and i couldn't figure out what happened to my bow i did not even look at my backup bow yet and uh anyway i went and i always keep my bow in a case where i'm hunting at so nobody else touches it and i went and i put my bow back in a case and when i closed the door on the, the case <laughs> here somebody wrote something on the top of my case and it said in Canada, we like our animals alive. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, I'm not kidding you. I think that lady took my bow case in the back room and used it for a trampoline. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. But anyway, I got my confidence. I met my guide, Nigel, and I'm excited. I have a, a moose tag, and uh, then I have a, the mountain goat don't open up for three days. So I'm going to hunt moose for the first three days. And the way to do it was we were going to get up high, glass and moose, and then stock in on them. So the next morning, uh, the horses, and we start riding up through the mountains. This is unbelievable. It's just you have to be there to even describe it. And we get up on the first ledge up there, and uh and I'm looking for moose, and I'm glassing and looking, and Nigel's sitting not too far from me, and we're both looking. And, and uh, all of a sudden, I see this big bear, 
and it's a, it looked like it was silver. Man, that's a silverback grizzly. And this thing is walking towards it. It's huge. I, I mean, I can't believe I'm seeing a bear like that. And I said to Nigel, I said, Nigel, there's a big silverback grizzly. <laughs> he, he didn't even look. He goes over, runs over to his horse and gets up on the horse. He says, come on, we got to get out of here right now. <laughs> and I started laughing. I thought he was kidding around. This guy ain't kidding around. He's deathly afraid of bears. He says, I'm leaving you here if you ain't coming. I said, okay. So I get on the horse, and I start going down to the trail with him, and he starts telling me all these nightmare grizzly bear stories. And uh, so I don't know this guy yet. So we stop at the next place, and, and uh, we start looking and glassing, and the next thing you know, there is a sow with two cubs. <laughs> Poof, he's back up on the horse again. <laughs> and we're going, that day we saw five bears. And... Uh, to me, it was magnificent. It was unbelievable. Didn't see any moose that day because we're just running all over the place on horses. And we get down to the cabin, and Nigel says to me, well, tomorrow we're going to try it a little bit different. We're going to glass right out from uh, the cabin here. There's a big sulfur lick over there. We'll watch from the cabin here, and we'll watch for moose. And I'm starting to think to myself, uh, man, uh, I don't know. But, you know, I don't know yet because this is my first time a moose hunting like this, and maybe what he's telling me is right. So the next morning I get up and I'm out there bright and early and I got the scope out and I'm watching and watching and watching, not seeing much. It starts raining a little bit. And as I'm watching, all of a sudden, it looked like two sheets of plywood coming off of this hill. A giant moose is coming. It's coming right down toward that sulfur lake. It's quite a ways away from us, but he's heading toward the sulfur lake. I run into the cabin and I said, Nigel, there's a giant bull out here. We got to go after it. And he comes out and he looks through the scope. He says, well, that's not really that big. I said, you kidding me? That thing's a giant. I said, to me, I, you know, I don't know every animal, but when you see something that looks like that, I mean, it just tells your heart, man, that's it. And I said, no, we got to go after him. So we get the horses and we go up this uh, uh, little uh, valley and we get into where we're across the sulfur lake. I could still see the moose coming down off the hill. And uh, we had to go through these willows. And then I, I got off. I took my rain jacket off. It was raining up. And uh, I said, Nigel, uh, uh, you got to take your rain jacket off so we don't make any noise. And he's kind of staring at me and staring at me. He's looking at the willows. He says, well, he says, uh, I'm going to stay here and watch the horses. You go ahead and go on in there. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I ain't got time to wait. So I snuck through the willows and I knelt down uh, and, we're, and I could see the bull coming. The bull gets within 50 yards of me, and I'm telling you what, you want to talk about your heart pounding. This thing is a monster, and it's really happening. And all I got to do is wait for that bull to turn broadside and give me a broadside shot. And I'm waiting, and he's coming closer, and uh, all of a sudden, it sounded like somebody took two cats and threw them over a clothesline, all the screaming and the banging around the, and the yelling going on behind me. Uh, the moose has got his head up and he's looking past me, looking back there. He turns and starts walking away at a fast walk. I have no shot. The moose is gone. My dream is shot. And I couldn't figure out what happened. And so I walked down and here's Nigel. He's leaning up against the tree and uh, his face is all beet red. Everything is on the ground around him. And I said, Nigel, what happened? He said, well, Norm came down the trail with a sheep hunter on the horses and he, and uh, their horses got spooked, and Norm got mad at me, and we got into a fight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I said, what? I told him, I said, I, 
I had the opportunity to take the animal. You guys are down here fist fighting. And I want to tell you something, JP, I got, I got a little upset. And, and, uh, I said, let's go have a little talk with Norm. And, uh, you know, I get down to the cabin down there, there's Norm with the sheep hunters and, and they're in there. And I walk right up to him and I, I'm talking to these guys like a couple little kids. And then, uh, his, his whole thing, was well there's lots of moose around there you, that, there's no problem with it you know i'm bull hunting man this is not <laughs> and uh i was really upset the next day the same kind of a three ring circus went on again and uh uh there was now no fist fights or anything but there was let's stay at the cabin let's not do this and that i realized that uh nigel was so deathly afraid of bears that he really didn't want to leave the cabin and i think to myself how could how could there be a guide like this that's so afraid of bears uh that he doesn't want to get out into the woods and uh so uh, the next day i went i packed up my stuff i put it on the dock and nigel says what are you doing i said nigel i said i'm going to be calling uh, uh on the radio and calling the owner and tell him come pick me up i said this is not a hunt this is a three-ring circus oh you can't do that you can't do that I, i'll be in trouble and all this stuff and he says mountain goat uh, season opens tomorrow you got a tag we can go up after the mountain goats. You know, that was my dream to come there and take a mountain goat. And I was seeing mountain goats. You could glass them from where you were at. And so I thought about it. I said, okay, yep, we'll go off the mountain goats tomorrow. And so uh, Nigel had a little bit better attitude. And, we're, and the next morning, we're riding up through this uh, big valley. And there's a river in the, uh, in, in the middle of it. And uh, just a big stream is what it was. But it was like a river. It was pretty wide. And here there's a mountain goat laying up on the side of the hill up there. And uh, Nigel gets the spotting scope out, and we're looking at it from down below. Yep, uh, that looks like a real good one. That, that one there is one you got to try and get. And I said, okay, let's go. He goes, no. He says, I'm going to stay right here. He says, I'll give you hand signals, and you'll be able to uh, get in close on it, which made sense to me. So I get up there, and I get within 100 yards of that goat. And I, I'm, I'm within 100 yards, I'm looking at the goat, and I'm thinking to myself, man, that's not a billy, it's a nanny. And the more I looked at it, I said, that's a nanny. And I, and I didn't want to take a nanny with my bull. So I turned around and came back down, and Nigel is just living. Ray, why didn't you shoot that goat? What is the matter with that? I said, Nigel, I said, that thing was a nanny. No, it was, it was a billy. Well, I don't know for sure in my head whether it was or not but it looked like a nanny to me and it just, just didn't look like the type of a goat that i wanted to take so i said to, <laughs> i said to nigel i said well uh we go again i said next time you're going to be sticking right with me you had heard the conversation it was a heated conversation i said you're going to be sticking right with me and you're going to come up there and i said when we're within 100 yards of that animal uh you tell me that that is a, a nine inch plus billy goat uh male i said i'm uh, I'm going to, I'll go after it. So the next day, uh, we get out and we're riding again. We're up the same area. We went quite a bit further. And this time on the left side, here is this giant goat way up on the mountain. And he is up on top up there. And we get the scope out. Nigel again said, man, that's a, that's really a dandy billy. And uh, I'm looking at it. Man, it's bigger than the other one looked like to me. And I said, well, I said, uh, Let's go up after him. And he and Nigel says, no, I'll stay here and give you a hand. So I said, no, you won't. I said, you're coming right with me. I said, well, I want to make sure on this. And uh, he said, oh, all right. And this is pretty interesting. Nigel was the type of guy that smoked one cigarette after another. 
for three and a half hours climbing up that mountain. He stayed right with me. We took 30 steps, stopped, took 30 steps, stopped. <laughs> and we finally crested the top of that area that we were at. And what I wanted to do was get on top and get above the animal and, and hunt him where he is lower so that the, uh, it, it's uh, easier to do and, and they're not so uh, uh, shook up about something coming down below on them and, uh, and, and all that I had read. So anyway, I get up on top, we crest the top, finally got to the top, I'm excited. And what's the first thing we see? <laughs> Here is a pile of grizzly bear scat that you can't believe the size of it. It's right there in front of us and Nigel's eyeballs are locked right on it and he looks at me he says well he says uh it's gonna get dark out soon uh, ray we probably uh, should probably turn around and head back down <laughs> and i said to him i says we are not going back down we are staying here and i said this is not that big of an area i said even if we got to stay up overnight we're going to stay overnight up here and i want to get the opportunity and that goat and nigel knew that i was telling the truth and uh, I had enough of them. I really did. I had enough of it. And uh, I was on a, a hunt. I, I, it wasn't, I don't know. So anyway, we're walking along and I'm looking over the cliffs to see where that goat is at because I've lost all sight of him because of where we came up on top. And uh, next thing you know, Nigel is about five yards in front of me looking over the cliffs and we're taking our time. Then he's 10 yards in front of me. Then he's 15 yards in front of me. He's going a little faster and a little faster. And he's about 25 yards in front of me now, and I'm just going to say, Nigel, wait up. And and all of a sudden, it was just like a nightmare. Nigel is standing there, and this goat isn't 10 yards from Nigel. It jumps out from <laughs> below where Nigel is at. It runs right off the cliff and jumps off the cliff right in front of me. I lost it. Boy, I was so upset. I could have probably had maybe a 10 or 15-yard shot at that goat. And Nigel blew it, and I walked up to Nigel. I am so upset I can't think straight. And Nigel, I, I'm sure that he could see that I wasn't doing real well. And he said just the right thing to me. <laughs> he said, Ray, uh, go over there and look off that cliff. The, the goat might be uh, standing off on the next cliff. And I looked at Nigel. I said, Nigel, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard. I had to walk away from him just to keep <laughs> from being upset. And uh, anyway, I walked over by the cliff, and no kidding, JP, here is this goat standing 50 yards down the hill from me, and it's looking back toward me. I knocked an arrow up. I drew my bow. I leaned forward. I came up into his vitals. I released the arrow, and the arrow went right through him. And the goat didn't know what happened. Uh, he went forward just a little bit, and he's standing there, and he, and he He's hit perfectly, and I thought, well, I knocked up a second arrow, and I put another arrow right through him. That's that's how much time I had. And all of a sudden, the goat uh, goes forward and just starts rolling, and he's rolling, and he and he stops. And, man, for one minute, I was so mad I was going to throw Nigel off the cliff. The next minute, I had accomplished a dream I couldn't believe. I am so upbeat and excited. I walk up to this goat. It's not just any goat. This thing is 10 inch plus. It is a monster goat. And I'm standing there looking at this goat in total awe. And Nigel loads the shell into the chamber of his gun. <laughs> I said, what'd you do, Nigel? He says, well, in case a bear comes, 
I had it with this guy. I totally had it with this guy. I told him, I said, Nigel, I want you to take the shell out of the chamber of that gun and we'll put it in the magazine. I'm going to peek the gun by me. I, I'm telling you, this guy was so shook up about bears. I figured if a bear came in, he'd shoot me. And uh, I said, if a bear comes in, I'll decide what to do with the gun. You know, I, I kind of started taking control of the situation because it was that bad. So I told, uh, it started to get uh, darker out. And I said, Let's, I want to get some pictures of this goat. And I, and I said, I want to skin it for a life-size mount. And uh, Nigel says, we ain't got time to do that. I said, well, I said, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it. And uh, anyway, uh, I, we get the pictures and we get the goat skinned out. And I start cutting up the uh, meat and everything so we can carry it out and put it in the backpacks. And then Nigel says to me, he says, uh, you'll have to uh, leave part of the meat up here on the hill because I can't carry the meat. I said, what? He goes, yeah, I got a really bad back. He says, I can't carry the meat. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Uh, and so I loaded, if you knew how heavy a goat is, it's just unbelievable that I was in the shape. I was unable to do what I did. I took the hide uh, and uh, the the head and I had the meat and everything in this backpack and I could I could hardly stand up and uh, so I stood up and I'm using my bow to balance me and it's all downhill and I just told Nigel I said just stay by me so I don't slip and fall and we'll take our time and we'll get down the hill and uh, anyway I'm going down the hill and, and it was uh, a little rough going downhill but I was doing okay with it and uh, next thing you know Nigel is again 10 yards in front of me <laughs> And then he's 20 yards in front of me. And then he's 50 yards in front of me. And I'm yelling at him, Nigel, wait up, slow down. I can't move that fast. You know, and Nigel's gone. Uh, and so I finally get down to the bottom of the hill where the horses are at. And here's Nigel standing there. And uh, I couldn't believe it. I, I said, Nigel, you were supposed to be with me so in case I slipped and fell. And I realized as I was coming down that hill and Nigel disappears that he was leaving me back there for bear bait. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, he was so deathly afraid of bears. I, I was so happy that I accomplished this dream. Anyway, uh, the next day, uh, I'm out there and, and uh, Nigel, I'm talking to him and, and, uh, and I find I, I said to him, Nigel, I said, you know, you're really a nice guy. I, said, I really enjoy talking to you and stuff. And, but how is it that uh, you're a guy that is a deathly afraid of grizzly bears and uh, uh, that you're out guiding people? I said, I, I can't, I, I, I don't understand that. He says, well, he says, you're a bow hunter, he says. And uh, since you were bow hunting, uh, uh, they decided to let me hunt with you because, uh uh, the other hunters that were rifle hunters, they knew that they'd, they'd be successful in their hunt. He says, I'm not really a, a hunting guide. He says, I'm the fishing guide. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm assuming Nigel got, didn't get a very big tip, did he? <laughs> oh, well, it was just nuts. And the, uh, the owner came in on the float plane, and I was uh, practicing shooting my bow and, and – uh, and I, I talked to him about it, and uh, I was getting getting ready to pack myself up so we could go because I didn't expect him to come that soon. And 
I was talking to him about it. He says, well, he says, most bow hunters come here. We, they, they can't get close enough to get the shot and so on and so forth. He's making all kinds of excuses for letting Nigel be my guide. And what I did is I took, I went in the cabin. I took a can of uh, Campbell's soup. I walked out. I put it uh, on uh, where I was practicing at. And I said, uh, come on with me. And I took him back 100 yards. I had a 100-yard pin on my bow. And uh, I drew my bow back. I came up, touched the top of my 100-yard pin on that can. And that arrow went right through that can. And I said, I did not come here to uh, not uh, to wound an animal or not be prepared. I came here to achieve a dream. And I said, uh, my friends told me that this was a good place to come. And yet... Uh, I did not have the opportunity on a moose because of uh, the, the stuff that went on. And then you have got me with a fishing guide that is so afraid of grizzly bears that I almost didn't get the opportunity on this goat. But anyway, uh, that, I took that can of candle soup uh, after it cleaned it out, washed it out, and I stuck it up on that cabin. I left it up there. So there's a reminder that a, a bull hunter came here. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that's a true story yeah that's just uh that, that was a hunt that everything i'm only telling you parts of it everything went so upside down on it and if you've ever gone someplace where you've gotten so discouraged or so down the dumps about what you did that was it but in in the blink of an eye uh after being so upset about something that somebody did and looking off the cliff and there uh, is your opportunity, boy, it all changed pretty quick. <laughs> well, you, you also so. said some things earlier when we were talking, you were talking about fitness and being in the best shape of your life. And then you said, but ultimately it's all mental. And I'm just, I'm envisioning you as you're telling the story, uh, skinning out the goat for a life-size mount, which is a full entire hide, which the hide and head in and of itself has to weigh, what does that weigh? 60, 70 pounds? Maybe yeah, more. I, I don't. I don't know. I've never shot a goat, obviously. And then you got all the meat with it. And I'm thinking, I got a three hour hike down the mountain with you. You easily had to have over 100 pounds, 120, 150 pounds on your back. Talk about mental. <laughs> That's pretty incredible, yeah. right? It was, that was quite a bit of weight. If you've ever had so much weight on your back that when you take the backpack off your back and it feels like you're floating, <laughs> that's how it felt. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Well, well, why don't you why don't you finish with? Um, I said I was going to have finished with that story, but since you we talk about that, what is your training schedule? What like what does your training schedule look like? Um, you know, I know I know you always tell me, like, hey, I got heavy legs today, and how do you fit it in to be in the shape that you're in still at your age to lift what you lift to run the way you run? Like like what kind of training do you do? Well, uh, from uh, I'd like to do uh really headweight for the bench press the squat and the deadlift and i usually work uh nine sets of three and uh, uh then for uh the assistance work man i'll like for doing biceps or or back or, or triceps and stuff sometimes i'll do reps up to 20 to 40 sets in a rep I'll, I'll uh, in a set, I'll work myself to a total burnout. <laughs> you can't even hold on to the weight. <clears throat> and uh, uh, that really builds endurance. And uh, 
like uh, yesterday, uh, I did really a, a heavy uh, leg workout, and I also did uh, deadlifts uh, after uh, a long. And uh, then I went out looking for shed antlers. And uh, going up and down them hills after doing heavy lifts like that, the amount of blood that's in the muscle, you want to scream. But, you know, the following day, you feel pretty good. <laughs> so uh, it's, I guess it's always to challenge yourself and to uh, uh, do something that you don't know for sure if you can do, but do it safely. And uh, uh, just... Uh, I don't know, just having the opportunity to be out in God's creation and doing what you love to do and being in physical uh, condition that you can do that. There's so many people that uh, love being in the outdoors and, and love doing things, but they don't know how to uh, keep themselves in good shape. But all of a sudden, instead of getting up at uh, four o'clock in the morning to go out and go hunting, they said, well, I'm going to sleep in. That, and you know that's that's something else that'll take over on you. So, uh, yeah, my I usually will train five days a week, and then I love to have uh, Saturdays and Sundays off. Uh, Sundays I just love being with Karen all day, but uh, that's kind of how I do it. I have different body parts that I work on each day of the week. Uh, Mondays are usually a heavy uh, chest and upper body. Tuesdays are really heavy lower body. Uh, Wednesdays, I will work back, and then uh, uh, Thursdays, I'll work uh, uh, other body parts, and I'll work back around to light work with my legs, and uh, so I just have different body parts that I work on all the time that all kind of helps, and then I shoot my ball all the time, and what's amazing, if you go have a super heavy uh, chest workout, go grab your ball. See if you, see if you can make the shot. I, I will tell you something. That, that is amazing. Uh, you get in that kind of workout, you bring yourself to failure with your lifts, then go grab your bowl. See how you can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I use you as an example all the time because I know other guys and girls that are your age and they used to be active when they were younger and now they're the same age as you are and they're not active. They're not in the outdoors and they love the outdoors. And then I always use you as an example as somebody who could still run up a mountain and, you know, carry a hundred pounds off the mountain if they wanted to. So you're doing it right, Ray. Well, God did that, not me. I just, uh, I think in uh, having a purpose in life, and that's following Christ, uh, that to me uh, has given me all the strength. And even though the chips have been down so many times with things and and, and just having that in my heart and knowing uh, uh, that, you know, it, it, it lifts you up. And, and two, uh, he's given me... Uh, a wife who is a warrior bride. I don't know how. I, I I come to tears all the time just looking at her. Gosh, look at the gift that he gave me. I would never know that if I wasn't a believer. But look what I got. So uh, anyway, I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. Well, I appreciate you always, Ray, and, and love hearing our story, hearing your stories. I love any time I get a chance to chat with you, which isn't as often anymore, but I cherish every time we get to because – you're always, uh, you always brighten up my day, and, and uh, I'm going to get this podcast up and loaded uh, here, and then I'll get the calendars promoted through Facebook and Instagram, and I and, uh, hope I can do my part in generating some funds to, to uh, get you guys at more camps, and again, one day get a camp in Phoenix, Arizona, and just continue your mission that you guys have started and impacting lives all over. So I can't thank you enough. I know 
I know you're doing the Lord's work and I know it's not always easy and it's not always beautiful and it's not always out in, you know, on a, on a stage somewhere, but you're doing the Lord's work. And one day you will hear that right before him. You'll see, you'll hear the, the greatest words any man or woman will ever hear. And that's well done. Uh, my good and faithful servant. So I appreciate you, man. Well, we'll be hearing it together. Yeah. Now, we get on this turkey hunt this spring now. We got to come up with some stuff with these other guys too. We got to have a little camaraderie with it. We got to have some challenges <laughs> with this here. So we'll have to do a little planning before we get there. This is going to be fun. Well, count right? me in. I'm in. All right. I love you, buddy. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks for getting on the podcast, Ray. Yep. Thank All you, right. JP. Right. Bye bye.